I, uh, I, I'm really thankful what the Lord did uh, at the women's tea. There were um, 17 women who, uh, who made first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. <coughs> and, uh, and then there were 12 um, who rededicated their life to the Lord, and what a, what a great, great time. And then so many uh, of the ladies said that they were so ministered to by those who, uh, ministered, who sh- shared and spoke. And it was just a great, great couple days, and we're grateful for that. And uh, I'm hoping that all the, all the workers, all those that helped out and served, uh, got recuperated, and you're good, good to go. Um, we want to make Christmas, we, our desire is to help make Christmas special for you. I hope this Christmas will be special for you. And um, what we have planned next week is our Christmas service, and then our Christmas Eve gathering, and then our Wednesday gathering where we, um, the, we, we kind of get silly and party, and those who have been to our family Christmas gathering on uh, the, on, uh, that's coming up on Wednesday is uh, that that is a uh, just a fun 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 time. We do a lot of laughing, and uh, and just have a great time singing and rejoicing and a lot of silliness. But uh, it's just a great great family time. So I hope you'll be able to make it to all of that, um, and you'll be able to enjoy it with all of us. Well. Last week we started this series, A Christmas Gift You Can Really Use. And um, the gift we're going to talk about this morning is the gift of and in darkness. There's a gift of darkness and there's a gift in darkness. We'll explain it as we walk through this story in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1. And I want to just kind of see how this, as we... uh, we unpack this portion of scripture that maybe you'll see some things that maybe are new to you and you've not seen before, even if you are someone who has studied uh, this portion of scripture over and over again, that the Holy Spirit will bring something new and fresh to you. But for all of us, I believe there's a message for us and uh, that will be helpful in our life and helpful in 2020. Um, it's, uh, it starts off in, this way. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that, he, if, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So, Saul has been doing his damage in Jerusalem already. He's been hauling Christians off to prison. In fact, um, they have been killed, and he has been testifying against them. Um, And now he says, now he's thinking, you know, let's go get the Christians that are outside of Jerusalem. Let's go to Damascus. So he asked for letters from the high priest so that he would have authority when he goes in to, to you know, find Christians. This is the church's worst nightmare right here, this guy. And, um, and so 
he's, he's going after, and they're referred to as the, the, the people of the way. In fact, the, the first name of the church, or Christians, were people of the way. And, uh, and so they're, because why? Because of the way they live out their life. The way that they serve. See, Christians are known for the way that they serve Christ. We're not known necessarily from just the things we say. We're known by the way we live. And, um, and Jesus said, the way that the church will be known, the way that we're supposed to be known, is by our love for one another. And, and the way that we love should distinguish us from everyone else. That's what Jesus calls us to do, is to love in such a way that people go, oh, they must be the people of the way. They must be Christians because of the way we love other people. And it says, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's going after them. Um, and he, he, uh, Luke chapter 26, as Paul tells his story, he adds that he, he, he casts votes against them. He's, he, he, he takes them, gets the papers, he takes them to, to, to court, and then he casts his vote against them to kill them. See, we tend to see the redeemed Paul, you know, filled with God's love and selflessly given his life to God and others. We, we read about him, we, we, we read his writings. This is the author, Saul, who becomes Paul. He's the author of half the New Testament. We forget what a scoundrel he was. I mean, there were people in the church who, whose dad or mom or their son or daughter were dragged to prison and killed because of Saul. He wasn't just kind of, you know, a, a guy that just kind of had a little bit of uh, resistance to Christianity. This guy was a terrorist. He, he, we, we would hate him. If, if Saul was alive today doing these things in our time, we would hate the guy. We would despise him. We would hope that someone would take him out. That's the guy. You put yourself in their shoes, right? The church's shoes. Sometimes we get mad at people because their, you know, their political views are different than ours. Or, you know, or, or they're a neighbor and they play their music too loud. Or their dog poops on our yard. We're ready to take them out. This guy has been killing Christians. And, and it's not just, I mean, he's pursuing them wherever he can. He has a zealousness about him. See, he is a religious fanatic. He's a religious fanatic. You know, when someone's ministry is defined by the things they hate, watch out, stay away. And and his whole life now is, in, you know, is filled with the hate that he has, and he thinks he's doing God a real favor in what he's doing. 
There's a scripture that kind of defines the story of Paul. It's found in Isaiah 45. And this this, uh, is a very interesting, and we won't go into the prophetic aspect of it, which is really interesting, um, because there's the king of Persia. His name is Cyrus. And in fact, the prophet 200 years in advance actually talked about him by name. And the, 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 the scriptures were found to prove to Cyrus that he was, in fact, named by the prophets before he was even ever born. And, and God was going to show himself to this heathen king. And he was going to show him through some of the things that he was going to do. And so I'm just going to read. Th- that, that's kind of the context of these two verses that I want to read. And uh, in Isaiah 45 and verse 2 it says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bar- bars of iron. This is, by the way, also a reference uh, is, is reference in the New Testament of Jesus Christ. In other words, this promise to Cyrus is not bound to that one individual. In fact, this is a, a truth, a, a, a word that God gives to all believers, the body of Christ. I'm going to go before you, make the crooked places straight. I will break the pieces of uh, break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. See, God. Is saying he's going ahead of us. He's going ahead of us. God is ahead of us. We're always thinking that God is lagging behind. We're always thinking, God, you're always late. Like you're always like waiting to the last minute. God is not waiting to the last minute. He's way ahead of you. He has already gone before you. He's already opened doors and he's already making paths for you in your life that you're not even aware of. There are gates that God is opening that you don't even know are shut. Because that's what God does. And, and he is opening doors you don't even know are there yet. But when you get there, they'll already be open. That's what God is doing. In this then, then there's this, this is the purpose statement. It says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places and then he says it fits, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. That you'll know. This is the reason. Treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Could you say with me, treasures of darkness? Treasures of darkness. I, uh, this, this portion of scripture um, in the early 70s, there was a, a man named Sonny Argonzoni. And uh, he was a young pastor trying to find his way, trying to, trying to and uh, he had gone to New York to try to start a church, and it just it wasn't happening. And he had struggled, and he didn't know what to do. His home had been in L, L, the L.A. area, and he came back, and he decided he wasn't, you know, th- that was not obviously God's blessing so he came back. He, he didn't know what to do, but he heard about this church that was having this midweek prayer meeting. 
It happened to be my father-in-law's church. And um, Carol's church. <laughs> Eventually became my church. But he walked in to a little prayer meeting, and there was a, um, a man there named, um, a prophetic gifted man named Dick Mills, who used to give scriptures out. Like he just, he memorized thousands and thousands of, of scriptures, and he would just give, give scriptures to people as the Lord would, would give to them. And he asked this young man to stand up, and he said to him, he says, this is the scripture I give you, and he, and he, and he quoted Verse 3, I will give you treasures of darkness. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And all of a sudden, Sonny realized that the treasures of darkness were right around him. And so he, his heart was to reach the, the hardest to reach, the most difficult, the most challenging the most broken people and so in LA he decided to go to the gangs and he began a ministry reaching out to the gangs in Los Angeles and God blessed it and 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 he he began to open up homes and take in people and disciple them and today uh, Victory Outreach has over 700 churches around the country and around the world reaching out to people who are the most broken and discipling them for the kingdom of God. I, I got to meet Sonny, um, it was quite a while ago, um, on a, 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 we were doing a, a time of sharing um, at a TV station and we got a chance to sit together and talk and afterward um, I got to hear his story. Of, of things, but it was in that place that God spoke to him and showed him that there's treasures, there's treasures in darkness, there's hidden riches in places that you would not find them, you would not recognize them, you wouldn't think that they would be there, but they're there. There, there is. And in this scripture, there is both the treasure of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. I believe they're two different things. I want you to follow this with me because most translations actually word it properly and then paraphrased Bibles actually miss it on this one. Um, So if you have a paraphrase, it might say it differently. But most translations will say there is both, that that there is a treasure of darkness. In other words, darkness itself. There's a darkness that is a treasure in itself. And then there is always treasure in darkness. See, riches in the secret places. Paul experienced the, the hidden treasure of darkness and he was a hidden treasure in darkness. And I'll, I'll show that to you. I'm going to show you what this means. I, don't, you know, I know that sounds uh, like double talk right now, but there's more to it. See, someone has to see the hidden riches. Someone has to look beyond the hollow stare and the angry, bitter attitude to see what God sees in people. 
as Christians, we are not to hate anyone. We're not to hate anyone. If, if the Christians in that day had someone that you would say they had a right to hate, it was Paul or Saul. No one would have ever thought. He was the last person on the planet that anyone would ever think would, would you know, amount to anything for the kingdom of God. They, they would never have even let, that would not have passed their thoughts, that guy. I, I can only assume that people were praying for him, that there were people of faith in the church that, at that time. There were people who took what Jesus said, you know, bless those that curse you. And Jesus, Jesus talked about loving the unlovely and loving those who hate you. And Jesus said that our kingdom is different. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. And we're not to act like the kingdom of the world. And so there, there's these riches that sometimes we just, we don't see because we don't look through the eyes of Christ. When I was a, a youth pastor, I got a call from a mom. And uh, she, she said to me, she said, my son, Eddie, is, um, is in the hospital. Would you please go visit him? She told me the story. Eddie was a teenager. He had gotten into a, a, a gang. And he wasn't just kind of being persuaded by a gang. He was, he was, a, he was somewhat of a leader. He was a messed up kid. He had caused so much trouble and, um, at that point that, um, that they, the, the, the police had got him, but he kept kind of getting out. Of, they knew he was doing all kinds of stuff, but they couldn't prove it. So they took him behind the police station, and they beat the tar out of him. So much so, he ends up in, in, in the hospital. It was... Um, it, it was there that I, I met him, and I, I went down to talk to him, and he had his, his mom was there, and a couple of his homies were there, and he was laying in bed, and he was not happy to see me. So I, you know, I did my best in trying to share the goodness and the gospel with him, and I prayed for him, and I left, and I didn't know what would happen to him. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's him. And he calls me. And he says, would you please come down? He says, I need, I need Jesus. So I go down and I hear the story. What had happened is he had gotten so mad at what the police had done to him, he was going to get revenge. He had a gun. He hid out in the bushes where he knew this one cop would come. That was his beat. He knew about the time he would be there. And he was waiting for him in the bushes. His gun, gun was ready to go. And while he was waiting, the police, the, the officer didn't show up at, you know, at that location. He just didn't show up. And he waited and he waited. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicted him. And he began to weep there while he's, you know, while he's, in, in, hit, hiding out in the bushes with a gun, he gets on his knees and he begins to weep. 
And he realizes that he is so lost and he so needs God. And he breaks. It was as a result of that that he calls me and asks. He says, I don't know what to do. So I had a chance to lead him to Christ. I had a chance to see him start to get, you know, get baptized and start a discipleship process. He ends up going to one of the homes of Sonny Argonzoni. And today, well, he has been for many, many years, he's a pastor preaching the gospel for the kingdom of God. And he started several churches. See, sometimes we look at folks and we go, they're hopeless. And God sees them completely different. He sees them as treasures. He sees them as hidden treasures. He sees them as riches. Just waiting for redemption. Just waiting for the right time. And God does these kinds of things. He shows light in darkness. It tells us in Luke chapter 71 of the Christmas story. It says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He says, this is what Jesus came for. He comes to, 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 to take those who are sitting in darkness, in the shadow of death, and to revive them, to bring life into them. Folks, we will never, you will never look into the eyes of someone that God does not love. You might not, but God loves them. As he journeyed, the scripture says in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Now, when God repeats a name twice, you should probably should listen. But it's not always that God is repeating a name twice like your mother used to do when she called your name out and use your middle name as well, Richard Joseph. You knew you were in trouble. That's not what's going on here. The, what's going on here is the, the, you, you see a compassionate Jesus who is calling to Saul, Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? I want you to notice that Jesus takes our persecution personal. When you get persecuted, Jesus sees he's getting persecuted. He identifies with you completely and totally and fully in that regard. You might have people that treat you wrong and treat you bad simply because you're a believer, simply before, because you're a Christian. But understand this, Jesus takes it personal. And he will defend you. So Saul says, and he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You're persecuting me. And then he adds this, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, the goad was a sharp stick that was used when they were plowing. They would take and they would use that stick for the oxen who would kind of be, you know, pulling the plow. If it wouldn't go where they wanted to, they'd stick them in the leg with that sharp stick. And Jesus is saying to, to Saul, he says, 
Why are you kicking against the goat? I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of dumb. You don't want to kick the very thing that's going to hurt you. That, that stick is there, and why do you keep kicking it? And what he's saying to him is, you are living, what you're doing is you are doing the very thing that is the most damaging to your own life. Your rebellion against God does so much damage to yourself. And the heart of God is broken because of what we do to ourselves when we rebel against God. When we do our own thing against God, when we kick against the goats, when we go against what God's way is. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs 13, 15, it says, the way of the unfaithful is hard. There's a way to live a life, you know, if if you live in an unfaithful way to God, if you live unrighteously before God, the Bible says the way of the uh, unrighteous, the way of the unfaithful, it's hard. It's a hard way to live. It ages you. It puts, it puts a lot on you. It's the, the way of righteousness, the way of God's way is always better. It's not that it, there's no, there's, it isn't that there isn't any difficulty in it, but it's always the better way. It's life and that life more abundant. God's way. And some of us unnecessarily are, are causing ourselves pain simply because we keep going against God's way, keep going against God's, God's will. We keep kicking against the, the goads. So he says in verse 6 here in the story, he says, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, he asked him two questions. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? Those are the two questions. And folks, those are the two most important questions anyone can and must ask. Who are you, Lord? Jesus, he said. Some Jesus. And what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So what he does is he doesn't give him the whole plan. He just tells him the next step. Okay, here's the next step for you. Get up, go to the city. And then it says, and, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. Now, what knocked Saul down? And you hear all the stories. It's like Saul's on a horse, Saul's on a, it actually doesn't say that. And that, that's kind of all the depiction of it is like Saul's on a horse or on a donkey or something and he gets knocked off. That actually doesn't say that. He falls to the ground. But it was, there's a bright light that knocks Saul to the ground. A bright light. And that light is blinding. The light of God is blinding. To Saul. In verse 8, it says this Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. Why? Because he's blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, 
and neither ate nor drank. I said, there is a, there is, there is a treasure of darkness, and there is a treasure in darkness. Paul, or Saul, is the treasure in darkness. He's in darkness, and he's a treasure. But there is also a treasure of darkness. God starts Paul off in darkness. He blinds him. And for three days, he can't see anything. But for the first time in his life, he has vision. You see, you can have sight without vision. But Saul is getting vision because for the first time, God is revealing. God is showing him. For the very first time, he's not looking around and making all his decisions by the things he sees. He's not living by sight. He's living by faith. He's responding to what God has asked him to do. And he's in this dark place where God is revealing himself. Some of you are in dark place right now. Some of you right now are, are you're in that, that darkness and you don't see it as a treasure at all. But you will. I mean, how many of you have ever gone through a dark place in your life you know, the dark places, you don't know where to go. You don't know how to get there. Dark places, you don't know what the next step is. You don't know, what the, the, what, you know what's going on. You can't even make heads or tails of things. It, a dark place, is, it doesn't look like there's ever going to be any light. There's no light. There's no, there's no hope. Where do I go when I'm in a dark place like that? Is there any hope beyond the darkness and for one, for, for sure, you don't see while you're in it that there's any treasure at all. But there's a, there is a treasure not only in darkness, there is a treasure of darkness. There, there is something God does in darkness that can't be done at any other time. And God, God, God causes us to look in and God causes us to look up when we've been spending all of our time looking around. And it, force, it forces us. The psalmist says in Psalms 119.67, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before I was afflicted. When I, it was the darkness that got me you know, in the right place. It was the darkness that helped me to see, maybe for the first time, And there's light at the other side. There was darkness in the tomb. But three days later, for Jesus, there was resurrection. And there was light. There was a burst of light three days later. And for Paul, there would be a burst of light too. He would see after three days. But he would spend three days in darkness. And I want to just say to you, if you find yourself, you go, man, I'm in that place right now. I'm in that very dark place. Get ready. It's coming to an end. There's light. God's not going to leave you there. But you're going to learn things that you will look back and go, I treasure it, it, it isn't the darkness, but what God did in the darkness, I treasure that. I treasure what he was able to produce in me. 
the way he was able to grow me. Now it says, now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. That is what we're supposed to answer when God asks, right? When he calls, here I am, Lord. Say that, will you? Here I am, Lord. Do you mean that? Here I am, Lord. What do you want? I'm here for you. Anything you want, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, Listen, it says, for behold, he's praying. Why? Because when you're in darkness, you pray. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's the only way God gets us to pray. We learn a lot in darkness. It says, in, in a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this guy. Right? How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there he has authority, and here he has authority from the the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel. He's a hidden treasure. He's a hidden treasure, Ananias. I want you to see him like I see him. We can't afford, we cannot afford to be people of hate and judgmental attitudes. We can't. There are just too many treasures out there There are too many valuable riches that God has. And he needs some of us, like Ananias, that will go to a Saul and lay hands on him and pray for him and pursue him and tell him about Jesus, even at risk. Only God's love can produce that in us. Only God's love can break the, the, the bondages, you know, the, of fear that keep us kind of in our little cocoon. Jesus is calling us. Christmas ought to remind us that God pursues the lost. The world was in darkness, and that's what Jesus came for. We're, we're just... We're just people of the darkness that have been given light by Christ. We're just lost people that God saved. We're blind, and now we see. We didn't earn it. It has nothing to do with us being better than. It's just this wonderful grace that God wants us to extend to others. You know, our, 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 our country is becoming so hatefully divided. And you can let the politicians do that. But we can't do that. 
You can let, you know, the, the, the lost, they, they, they'll do that. But we, we can't be known that way. I, mean, I have my strong views. I have my political views. I have some things I, I stand for very strongly and will always. But you can hate the sin, but you cannot hate the person. You can't. You're a believer. If you hate them, you can never reach them. And Jesus said, we, we are so, supposed to be so different than when people people see us and hang around us, they know that we're Christians because we're different. And he says the identifier will be love. That we're the people who look in dark places and we, we shine the light because we know there's treasure there. Jesus needs that kind of person. He needs you and me to be that kind of person. There's some great treasures, folks. They're in your neighborhood. They're at your workplace. Some of them in your family. There's some great treasures there. Great treasures. They're at your school. They might be the very ones who are the most Hateful. They might be the very ones who are just so uh, antagonistic about your faith. It might be a professor at the, at the college or university you're at. They might be the next Paul. Say, not that guy. You just, don't, you just can't know. Your job and my job is to love them. Make a difference. Father, I thank you. Lord, help us to be able to, Lord, look into the darkness. Help us, help us to put on those night vision goggles, Lord, and go right into the darkness, Lord, and, and bring the light to, to people that are lost. Why aren't we reaching more people for you, God? Why is our neighborhood still, Lord, filled with lost people when you placed us there and we've been there for years and we have not even, we don't even know half of their names? Lord, help us to love and help us to have faith that a Saul can become a Paul. Lord, I pray. And then I pray, Lord, for anyone here that is, Lord, distant from you, that they themselves will walk out of the darkness as you pursue them and you're calling them. And if you've not given your life to Jesus, you can simply ask him right now. Say, Lord, Lord, I want to come to you. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died for me and you were buried and you conquered death and I receive you into my life. Help me to follow you. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I want to start, take just a moment. Um, I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll get ready. We're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to close. And I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you to respond to Jesus. Don't, don't just hear the message and go. Is there anything? Is, is Jesus wanting to help us? Is Jesus calling us? Are we asking Jesus like Paul did and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Will you do that? Will you ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Respond to him. So we're going to receive the offering and worship, and we're going to worship with our, our voices. and our, we're, Let's respond to God. Father, I ask that you bless as we bring our offering to you of our, our, the work of our hands. And um, Lord, I pray that our worship, our expression of our heart will honor you. Lord, change us. Change us, God. Change my heart, God. Help me. Pray in Jesus' name.